Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. Tonight on the bonus round, we are pleased to talk about our favorite video game franchise of all time, The Legend of Zelda, in coordination with our upcoming season premiere on Majora's Mask. Zach and I took the opportunity to list our top five favorite Zelda items, followed by a mini review on Skyward Sword. So don't go anywhere because the show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. And we are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas and... And somewhere in South Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it, my friends. Uh, Zach and I have a very special topic, something that's very near and dear to us today, right? Amen to that, brother. I'm so excited to talk about this. I, I mean, if there's one game series we love more than Metroid... It's Zelda. It's Zelda. So we're going to do our first... Um, sorry, not our first. This would actually be the second Collateral Gaming Zelda-focused bonus round episode. But the first one with two of us. Woo. So first yeah, one it's, with my, it's my first you. time talking about Zelda with you, my dude. Hell yeah, dude. And we're actually um, doing this kind of in preparation for our Season 3 premiere on The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. So we thought it was a perfect time to delve into Zelda. Um, first off, we're going to start with our uh, top five favorite Zelda items. Do you want to start this one off, bro? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, okay, so my number five item that just popped into my head is the Rock's Cape from what the first game I got it in is Oracle of Seasons. You get it in the seventh dungeon, which is the, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the dungeon, but it's, you get it after you get the Rock's Feather, which it's an upgraded version of that. And instead of the Rock's Feather, which only allows you to jump over one space, uh, the Cape allows you to jump over two. And if you have a boost with Pegasus Seeds, you can jump over three holes. And they brought it back in the Minish Cap, which it's just OP at that point. When you get the Rock's Cape, you can just launch yourself and fly over a great distance. And with the Pegasus Boots, you can soar. I love Rock's Cape just because in the top-down Zeldas, there's not really much you can do with uh, flight elements. I mean, of course, you can warp places and you could like play your flute or your ocarina or whatever instrument you've got to teleport somewhere. And like a bird will pick you up or you'll warp. But... The Rock's Cape, since the since Oracle of Ages and Seasons, it's not in Ages, but since Seasons was one of the first Zelda games I ever played, getting the Rock's Cape 
made me feel like at that point, it basically when you get to any sort of game that has upgrades or items that you can get, when you get towards the end of the game, you feel like you're almost a god at that point. You can <laughs> basically go anywhere, do anything, and the Rock's Cape unlocked so many different ways of getting to places that were previously unreachable. You could leap over great distances. You could clear long lines of holes that were previously unreachable. And it's fantastic. I loved dashing with Pegasus Seeds or the Pegasus Boots and just jumping. And in the Minish Cap, like I said, it's greatly expanded. And yeah, that's my that's my number five item, uh, the Rock's Cape. And it's it's a phenomenal item. Play these games. Oracle of Seasons and Minish Cap. If you have not touched them, do it. What about you, Ash? Hell yeah. Well, um, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll add my input on the Rock's Cape as well because um, I like the. I will say I like the Rock's Feather. I think that it's a great item. Uh, I love the ability to jump in the two D Zeldas. So it's always been, I think, one of my favorites, to be honest. Just just the simple novelty of jumping and then the Rock's Cape being an upgrade to that obviously makes it the superior item. So I never really played very far through Oracle of Seasons, but I have played quite a bit through the Minish Cap. Um, and the Rock's Cape also shows up in Four Swords as well in Vadi's Palace. So um, I remember using it there too. Um, so there's not a lot for me to say about that, but I do love the Rock's Feather. I do love being able to jump, and I like that the Rock's Cape allows you to jump even further. Yeah, I never I never actually got into Four Swords Adventures, and my bad, by the way. I was so excited to hear your first item that I completely forgot that you might actually have something to say about the Rock's Cape since we have both dived into these games quite deeply. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, kind of with these lists, I, I, I like the idea of us kind of both talking about, you know, each yeah. of our choices, but... Um, I, I won't have much more to say than that. Um, I think because it's, it's not um, used as exclusive as extensively in other games, and one of the games I haven't used it as all, at all. Um, side note, though, I do believe it's in Four Swords, but not Four Swords Adventures. But Four Swords um, is an awesome Zelda game. Um, if you're uh, for like multiplayer, I remember back in the day playing with my with my friend Steven. We used to bring our DSs to school and, and we'd play Four Swords together, and it was great when they released that anniversary edition. Um, but my number five is actually the Beetle from Skyward Sword. I love the way that this item works and feels. Um, certainly, a lot of my items are gonna on this list are. I think all of them are going to be unique items that are found in only one or two games. So I, I will go out and say that. Obviously, we have a lot of love for the for, for the classic items, the items that appear in every game, like the bow, the boomerang, and the bombs. But come on, it gets boring after a while. We like these new, interesting, unique items, and the beetle is certainly no exception. In fact, Skyward Sword is, I think, one of the only games that doesn't have the boomerang in it. And instead, you have the beetle. Um, and I think it... it actually accomplishes every facet of that the beetle allows you to if anyone's not aware the beetle allows you to uh it allows you to remotely control this uh flying beetle this little tech tech technological um robot beetle thing uh and you can aim it using using the wii remote and we will go on record saying that Zach and I are, are actually fans of the motion controls in Skyward Sword which we will touch on later but I did <laughs> I did like the way that this particular item controls because not only do you aim it where you want to go, but then you continue to control it and you can grab items like rupees and you can scare the fuck out of bacoblins. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the element of terrifying enemies. They're just like, oh, wait, oh. 
<laughs> yes. And you could you can um you can cut down uh decobabos and sculptulas with it. And I love the puzzles that involve the beetle. Not only, you know, accessing distant switches, but the cutting abilities that you use. I particularly remember in the Earth Temple, there's that one uh, drawbridge that you bring down. And then when you upgrade the beetle in Lanayru Desert later on, you get the ability to pick up items like bombs. And so you can you can pick up bombs and drop them off on enemies or on statues and shit. And it's it's really fun. It, it, it's awesome to have that control. <laughs> Those little electric puffer fish that are in the desert sands that like swell up and shoot that ball of electricity. It's so satisfying dropping a bomb and they just die. Immediately, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is so satisfying. The Beatles really awesome. I love it, and you can of course. I think his name's Scrappy, right? The guy that upgrades your stuff in the bazaar in Sky in uh, that's Skytown Gondo or Gonzo, something Gonzo. like that. That's Scrapper Scra- is the name robot. of the, the robot. robot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love the fact that he can upgrade your items in that game, and of course, we'll touch more on that later. But the Beatle has such unique upgrades like it it can get an upgrade that makes it just a little bit faster and has more stamina and then um the last upgrade is what it becomes the tough beetle right where it just goes yeah super far super fast it takes forever to run out of stamina usually it doesn't run out of stamina by the time you're done using it and the beetle honestly saved me so much when every single time i go to Skykeep. There's, uh, I think it's Din's trial where you're going through the different tunnels of uh, lava. And of yeah. course, we'll talk more about Skyward Sword later, but the beetle saved me because I was very low on health. And there's hearts that grow on the roots up on the ceiling. And you can grab those hearts and they really help you out. Um, Unless you're in hero mode. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't got to break my heart on that just yet, man. Hero mode is a whole other beast. But yeah, the beetle's a phenomenal item. It was very, very creative. I was not expecting an item like that. I mean, I guess I should have been with the motion controls, but absolutely stellar item and extremely unique to the Zelda series. I love it. Yeah, definitely the most creative item, I think, that came out of Skyward Sword, and that's why it made my list. Because um, uh, what impresses me the most is creativity. Um, and I, I do like the upgrades, like you said. The hook beetle, which adds a whole new element, and a lot of puzzles that you can go through in the Lanayru Desert in particular. I liked the the was it the quick beetle and then and then like you said the tough beetle upgrades as well um, fully upgrading that and and that's another aspect of Skyward Sword that we'll talk about um, but I guess we'll go ahead and move on from here. What's your number four? Okay, so number four. This I think this only this might have appeared in the Wind Waker. I'm not sure. You're gonna have to correct me on this. But the first game that I really dived into or dove into, sorry, that really utilized this very well was Twilight Princess, and this item is the bomb arrows. I love mm-hmm. I love combining arrows with bombs to just launch and take enemies out from afar. I mean, of course, if you're a good shot with your arrow, you can pick someone off from a distance, um, but the bomb arrows, you could just like hit in the area, and you'll hit them. And it's great because it's really awesome for solving puzzles. Um, you can, if there's like a big rock in the distance and you want to blow it up to see if it'll drop rupees or hearts... Or if it'll lead to a hidden passageway, you don't have to ride all the way over there. You can just take it out. It's really effective in combat. If you're struggling to contend with an enemy with just sword play, you can distance yourself and pull out your bomb arrows and just knock them out. Um, I loved how unique it was because at that point, it wasn't something I'd seen in a Zelda game before. And with 
what you can do in that game to upgrade your quiver because you can't really upgrade your quiver fully until you do like that rock star claw shot game in uh, uh sky uh no it's hyrule castle town yeah that uh-huh. that game where you uh basically use the claw shots to go across the contain the graded container and you collect all those little orbs and when you beat it the first time you get a bigger quiver and then once you finish the uh city in the sky and you get the double claw shots um you can go back and do it again and you get the larger quiver and you can get so many bombs in twilight princess you can hold there's like three different types of bombs the water bombs the normal bombs Um, yeah the bomblings that just crawl over and you can use those bombs and combine them with your arrows i love them they're fantastic i love the bomb arrows as well that was definitely a high point for me and i almost forgot about that um they weren't actually featured in the wind waker but interestingly enough they are featured in Link's awakening um as kind of a hidden item if you if you equip both bombs and arrows at the same time you can actually fire them together you're kidding me yeah as somebody who has played the pants off of Link's Awakening, I did not. Now I'm going to have to go back and play that. That's insane. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. That was one of my favorite little games growing up for the Game Boy Color. And I mean, I mean, it was for the Game Boy. Sorry, don't correct me, people who are listening. I know it's for the Game Boy. But well, the, DX was on the Game Boy Color, so yeah. I mean that that game was so beautiful, and I had no idea that would probably really help in the nightmare fight. Actually, <laughs> yeah. And apparently, and I just looked this up, apparently the bomb arrows were planned to appear in Link to the Past, but they ended up making their way into Link's Awakening. Um, and then obviously they're heavily used in Twilight Princess. I like the aspect of combining items in Twilight Princess. That was really cool. When you access your item screen and you can you can select, you know, equip the bow and then you move over to the bombs and then you hit combine or, or whatever it is. Um, you can also combine with the Hawkeye. And you can also combine, what were some of the other combinations? I can't remember. I think it was uh, the Hawkeye and bombs. I think that was just, I think that was it. That was it? Okay. That could be it. Um, But anyway, yeah, yeah. The bomb arrows were just a blast. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) To play with. Um, I love being able to to blow up boulders from from long distances. I mean, that was just phenomenal. And I like that the bomb arrows were once again included in uh, Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Man, I, <laughs> there's so much stuff you can do in Breath of the Wild. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you, man, that game. I can't wait for Breath of the Wild too. You've got me thinking, man. I didn't need <laughs> bomb arrows too much in Breath of the Wild to be. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's why I didn't really come to mind. I tried to, I tried to do as many new things as I could. I I didn't even remember that they were in Breath of the Wild just because I was thinking about how bombs are runes. Yeah, and so. That's that's cool. Just don't use them on Death Mountain. <laughs> no, <Nope>, never. <laughs> you instantly blow up. Um, or and you can't use them in the rain either. They're they're useless in the rain, same as fire arrows. And you're wasting your fire arrows if you use them on Death Mountain, because all No, they were their own collectible item like fire, ice and uh, Ancient Eras, which is one thing that was unique about Breath of the Wild was that instead of those being, like, consuming magic power, they just had their own item count. Yeah. So, uh, and they were more expensive, and you use them, uh, I believe, in both the uh, Va uh, Va Meadow fights and in the Va Naboris fight. You use bomb arrows against the, against the Divine Beast. They're also really helpful in the final boss of the Champion's Ballad, uh, the Monk. 
the Mo- I forget Mo's Kashia or something like that. Yeah, it's they're super helpful. They're really helpful for stunning him, and you can go in and do more damage. Well, and they're also useful against the versions of of Ganon that you fight, like uh, Wind Blight Ganon and, and Thunder Blight Ganon in those respective battles. If he's up on the wall fighting Calamity Ganon, if he's up on the wall, you just launch a bomb arrow at him, and that's it. He'll fall on the ground, and you can attack him. <laughs> but um, my number four is going to be the claw shots from Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. And I will amend this and say it's got to be the double claw shots, or really it's not nearly as cool. And I will say that the claw shots in Twilight Princess are way, way, way cooler than the ones in Skyward Sword. I was kind of disappointed about the limited functionality. But the idea of taking the hook shot, an already iconic item, okay, that is fun and cool to use, and, and allowing it to attach onto not only more targets, but having two of them. So you can zip, 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 zip between targets. And then in Twilight Princess, you can actually hang on and extend the chain and lower yourself down. And that was a really cool aspect. No, you can't. The, the, the claw shots pretty much just have their... Um, their hookshot functionality and that you they do come together uh, unlike in Twilight princess where you start out with one claw shot in the lake bed temple and then you go to the city of the sky and you get a second one i mean that was just that was just badass um but then it, and then it just completely changes your world but in, in um skyward sword you get them together uh i believe when it, the second time you go to Lanaru desert right yeah, it's the second gift of the goddess uh, when you complete the Silent Realm in Laneru Desert. Right. I, I could have sworn you could adjust your height with them because when I was going into Sky Keep, which is, by the way, may, yeah, we'll talk about that later. I'm going to go ahead and stop myself right there. When you're going into Sky Keep, I could have sworn I kept having to adjust my height. But, uh, you know, I could be wrong. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. But that's that's awesome. I love the claw shots. They're sickening. Um, it kind of, it kind of feels like you can move, not like Spider-Man, obviously, but it kind of, <laughs> it kind of has that vibe, you know, you can attach to vines and you can collect items. You can stun and take out enemies with them. Keys, they're done in one hit. They're just such a badass item because they encompass so many different abilities that Link can do. And they all obviously allow you to reach previously unreachable areas. And so, yeah, the claw shots are really awesome. I love them to death, actually. I will also add an honorable mention here, but the grappling hook from the Wind Waker has always been one of my favorite items. And I don't know why. It's kind of a simple item, but just it was just so cool. I remember that I mean that's the first major item you get from a dungeon and you just you twirl around and you, you know, swing across, um, kind of similar to the whip functionality later. And the whip also also almost made it into my list. But um, but I did I did like the the uh, grappling hook. But when I was starting to think of items like the hook shot and the grappling hook and the claw shot, the claw shot obviously just came out on top, just because of how much functionality is there, especially in Twilight Princess. Yeah, most definitely. I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, and you can actually also charge them in Twilight Princess. That was something they removed from Skyward Sword. You can't like hold down the button to launch them when you want. It just they just shoot out as soon as you hit it, which is kind of weird because even the original hook shot could do that. Yeah. Or at least the hookshot in Ocarina. I guess in Skyward Sword, they were trying to say, be accurate, because it's going to launch whether you want it to or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I do think that it was put to not as good use in Skyward Sword, because in Twilight Princess, the claw shot was cool because the hookshot could only you know, hook onto like certain targets and, and wooden objects, whereas the claw shot could hook onto 
claw shot targets. It could hook onto vines and it could hook onto, um, onto like uh, mesh type, like fence area. You know what I'm talking about? So I guess that's one way they did it better in Skyward Sword. They kind of gave you more options with stuff you could latch onto. No, in Skyward Sword, it's just the targets. And, and, yeah, in Skyward Sword, it's just the targets and the vines, I think. There's mesh too. Yeah. Is there? Okay. Yes, there is. Most definitely. Um, and you remember that one mini game in Twilight Princess that uses the claw shots and you can't really win at it until you actually get both of them. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think we were talking about, I was talking about this just a little bit earlier. It's the game in Castletown yeah. where you can go to upgrade your quiver. And the first time you have to have the one claw shot, but you can't, and you get the upgraded quiver. And the second time you have to have both of them and that's when you can collect them all and you can get the best quiver in the game. So they just unlock so many opportunities. And I like how they separated one claw shot from two claw shots. It kind of gave you something to look forward to. Cause when, cause I knew with this new result, I was like, okay, they gave us one, maybe they could give us two. And they did. And <laughs> even though castle in the sky or city in the sky, sorry, this is in a studio Ghibli movie, but even though city <laughs> in the sky is probably one of my least favorite dungeons in the entire series. I love the fact that they gave us a second claw shot and the mini boss fight to get them was pretty awesome. That uh, flying lizard with the shield, and you had to wait for him to pause so that you could pull him down with your single claw shot and then attack him with your sword. And it was just really cool because it was one of the very few bosses in the game where the enemy actually manipulated you and like did different attacks to throw you off as, oh. as opposed to the like three and done. Yeah. So the, um, what was it? It was a, it was an Eralthos, right? Yeah. Eralthos. Yeah, I actually love the city of the sky. It's one of my it's one of my fa more favorite dungeons because I just love the atmosphere. I love the fact that it's not a conventional dungeon like a lot of dungeons in, in Twilight Princess, but just kind of this yeah this like city in the sky. And I love the music and the boss fight against Arkarok using the double claw shots. It's awesome. The boss fight was incredible. I will say that, but I didn't really like it too much because I don't like it when dungeons feel particularly linear. And um, I like it to where when you can actually go back and there was only really one central area that actually didn't have the floor. And that's where the claw shots were the most prominent because there was targets all over the walls and uh, there was moving rocks and pillars and uh, listeners know exactly. I think, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But that was really the only room besides the main room in the beginning of the dungeon that you actually went back to. I'm not a huge fan of linear dungeons. I like when you can't get to a certain area of a dungeon, so you have to come back. But, and also with how well the dungeons in Twilight Princess were, the city in the sky kind of felt, the, it kind of felt like a letdown to me, you know? There were so many good dungeons in sky in, uh, in Twilight Princess. Yeah. I, I loved, um, what is it? I talked about this in my top five favorite dungeons, but I loved the temple of time that made my list. Um, and also, I think I probably would replace it now, actually, with uh, now, now in retrospect, the Snow Peak Ruins, because that's just such a cool dungeon. Again, completely unconventional. You don't realize you're in a dungeon until you, you're like halfway through, but it starts out as like a house. And then you get the fucking ball and chain. Another item that potentially <laughs> could have made my list here. It was <laughs> it was definitely in my mind. It, it almost made my list, too. But with as little as you use it, um, I was I just couldn't justify it. It's kind of like the spinner. The spinner also almost made my list. But with how little you actually use it, I, I, I honestly hope that they kind of bring the spinner back in Breath of the Wild 2 in some form or capacity or even <laughs> the ball and chain and you just have more use for it, you know? That would be cool. 
Snow Peak Ruins is fantastic just because of the music, the atmosphere, the puzzles, the nasty stew that eventually gets better because of all the wrong places you're sent to. It's so yes. frustrating, but it's so good at the same time. I love time. that. And Blazetta was a good boss fight too, yeah. Yes, it was. And she looks into the mirror and then she just turns into this queen of evil. It's amazing. You have to watch right. the reflection in the floor, but yeah, we're kind of going off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so number three? That's number where we're three. At? Okay, mm-hmm. so for me, number three um, is the Wind Waker itself. Hey! I absolutely love the Wind Waker. It was, uh, it's the first item in a Zelda game that primarily focuses on the instrument, and I think they got the idea for the Harp and Skyward Sword from the Wind Waker, that item being your your main your main item, because in the beginning of the game, you have to use it to basically solve a bunch of puzzles, and which with each tune you learn, you have to use it to, unless you're playing the HD version and you get the swift sail, you use it to change the direction of the wind so that you can sail across the Great Sea, and um, you use it with the command melody to control... Um, what mocker and what's the girl's name medley 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 and mocker you use it to control them in their dungeons the earth and the wind temple and i love i'm a musician so i absolutely love the way they implemented that in the game it just it made my heart happy every time i had to pull it out and yes it did get annoying having to continue to change (laughs) the direction of the wind or continually switch places in the the command melody. <laughs> yep, but I I just I love it so much. It's such a unique and iconic item, and it's literally the title of the game. And yeah. when I was thinking about this list, I was like, I have to include it. It's such a good item, and you use it beautifully. Are you, are you choking up there? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I was I was trying to fight back a hiccup, but you know, <laughs> it's not like you're like it, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i i guess that should have come as no surprise to me since you know you're a, a music major i i should have known that uh that music uh, one of the musical instruments would have been one of your items which i don't think i really thought about them because the wind waker would have been a strong contender for me too and i think out of the musical items it's definitely the best by far um i almost um i almost put the goddess harp as the item but one thing I don't like about Zelda is I wish that when you got an item, there was some way you could like train with it. Yes, I, I get it. It's for the flow of the game that Link already knows how to expertly use it. But the harp is ridiculous. The harp, you can just, you, when you play it just freely running around an area, Link is automatically playing in key with the music that's <laughs> that's playing in the, the whatever overworld theme. Like, uh, I don't know the, the harp was a disappointment for me. I was going to mention that. I was going to say, yeah, the, the harp is definitely not the best one because you can't even play songs on it. You can only play in certain areas. And it's the same thing. There's no variety. You're just strumming back and forth and Link automatically plays the song that you need to. So out of the musical instrument items, not as cool as the other ones. The it was kind of a letdown. The so horrible, dude. The cutscenes <laughs> where you're learning the song of the hero and Fi is just singing and it's terrible. I don't <laughs> The songs were good, though, and playing the harp during those moments was fun. Um, and I like that one area where you do it, use it with uh, uh, Kina singing in, in the Lumpy Pumpkin is is, a, <laughs> is fun, but hard, really hard. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but I'm going to have to agree with you that Wind Waker is, I think, the best of the musical items for sure. Um, the ocarina is iconic, don't get me wrong, but the the Wind Waker added the a- aspect of not only having to play the right notes, but having to keep time. And that was really nice. And it, I remember you know, playing it for the first time, and I had a really difficult time learning the Wind Waker the first time I trained with it, until I learned the trick of not hitting the C-stick as soon as it hits up, but holding the C-stick and, and switching as soon as it passes the, the metronome. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. They, they, the, in the original version of the Wind Waker, that was extremely buggy sometimes. They fixed it in the Wind Waker HD. You could, like, click the C-stick, and I tried to get really good at it, but it's really hard. But so yeah, holding it is holding it is the way to go. Yeah, and also it's um it was just it, once you mastered it, it was just so you felt like a it, you felt like a master of music. It was really nice, and you were keeping time, and you had to you had to hold down to the left or to the right for for uh, four four for six four time, um, and I think they made good great use. Um, out of the songs better than the ocarina did because there were certain there were puzzles that required you i mean like you said even just sailing your ship required the wind's requiem using the command melody was honestly one of the coolest aspects and of puzzle solving in a zelda game i think the wind waker probably should have made my list now that i think about it but oh well we still get to talk about it um so i i will say the only ocarina use that really comes close to it is the elegy of emptiness um, but it's just so frustrating because you have to play it so many times. I, I really wish in both the Wind Waker HD and in the Majora's Mask 3D remakes that they had fixed that. Here's what I would have done. Play the melody once. You have to play the song once when you're in the area. And then after that, allow a repeat command. So it, while you're still in that room, you can just press a button to continue to switch back and forth with the command melody or to continue to lay statues down with the Elegy of Emptiness. Because, I mean, it just got really, really, really uh, tedious having to go stand on a switch, play the Elegy of Emptiness, okay, equip the Goron mask, stand on a switch, play the Elegy of Emptiness, equip the Zora mask, put it on, <laughs> play the Elegy of Emptiness. At least the 3DS remake lets you... Um, let you kind of skip that a little bit, um, skip the cutscene part. But um, if, if they had done that, and then with the Wind Waker, with the command melody, just once you played it in a room, allowing you to keep switching back and forth, I feel like that would have been the ideal way to do it. Wind Waker HD squared. Pitch <laughs> 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 ideas for these new melodies. I'm telling you, they need to release, they need to do what they did with Super Mario All-Stars and release a collection of HD Zeldas on the, on the Switch, including Skyward Sword, because it hasn't been done before. But you know what? I would say fuck it and just include both the the um, 3D games, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask 3D, and the HD games, and just make one badass five-game collection um, and take some of the, the good things that we got. You know, you should leave Ocarina of Time 3D and Wind Waker HD pretty much exactly as they are with, it, with just minor improvements, but really fix... Uh, Majora's Mask 3D taking away some of the more unpopular changes and just expand on Twilight Princess HD and make it and do more with it. Yeah, I feel like that's something they ought to do for like the 50th anniversary for Zelda. Just take whatever Nintendo console is prominent at the time, remaster every Zelda game that's come out to date, which would be probably like a probably like a decade long project if they really wanted to do that and just. Put it on the put it on the next console, like the Switch Squared or whatever comes out, you know. <laughs> the Switch U. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, Skyward Sword needs needs to be on on Switch as well. But I suppose that we'll have to talk about that. Um, as far as my number three, 
you uh, wrote it off, but I'm going to go ahead and put the spinner. I know that it was a little underutilized, but goddamn, is it not the most fun item to use? And that's why it deserves to be on my list. I mean, it was just so fucking cool. You get to, to just ride on these tracks everywhere. It, it's kind of like fucking skateboarding. They, they should have added Link as a playable character in, in Tony Hawk's Underground with a spinner. <laughs> oh, man, you would have bailed so much. But yeah, the spinner's awesome, man. And Arbiter's Grounds, the dungeon that you get it in, is one of the best dungeons in the entire series. Another fantastic dungeon from mm-hmm. Twilight Princess. What is it with Twilight Princess and great dungeons? <laughs> I don't know. They they really did it well. They I guess they took dungeons and used them as a way to make up for how ugly the game is. <laughs> but because um, they try to, I guess they try to realism feel with Twilight Princess. But Arbiter's Ground, it kind of gives like a slight callback to the forest temple in ocarina of time about how you have to go after the four pose and yeah. uh get their souls back so that you can gain entrance to the next part of the dungeon but the way you utilize the spinner in that dungeon is so cool and the reason it didn't make my list is because they could have taken those aspects and put them more in the overworld i mean there's one piece of heart that you can get by riding the sides of the cliffs and you have to time it perfectly and of course the grand staircase going up to fight uh Puppet Zelda and Ganon and Ganondorf, um, which great final boss fight, but that's a whole other tangent we can go off on. But I, I love the spinner so much. I just wish they had used it more because it is, it's a phenomenal item and it's so much fun to use. I mean, it's so unique. You can stun and attack enemies with it. And I like how it kind of has a real feel where you can't just ride it everywhere. Eventually it slows down and you have to stop and get off or it'll automatically kick you off of it. And it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, and I think Twilight Princess has a pattern of a lot of really great items and a lot of items just that are just underutilized. So I I um I will agree with that. But the spinner, when you do use it in Arbiter's Ground, is fantastic. I love not only the the track puzzles, um, which involve you having to move back and forth between, you know, trying to avoid spike traps, but also um the being able to use the spinner to like uh, uh, spin those little things on the ground, you know, where you stand on it and you just go, and then the fight against Stalord, also in another great boss fight, definitely deserves to be in a in a in a you know a top list of boss fights because, I mean that that was just phenomenal. I loved using. I mean, how else could you creatively use an item like the spinner in a boss fight? You can't. I mean, it's fantastic. You're the first stage of the fight. You're playing pinball, pinball, pinball with his little minions on the sand, trying to get down to his spine so that you can crack it and it'll get yeah. down lower. And when you finally get those three hits in, because like Zelda usually does, it's three and you move on. Yeah. You, his head detaches. You think you beat him, but his head detaches. All the sand goes down and the middle pillar rises up and it's a high speed death match going around the arena as you're rising to the top to try to get level with the spike that's on his head and you just run into his mouth and it's just such a good fight. Oh my god. Phase gosh. two, baby. <laughs> and the spinner made its way. It was such an awesome item that it made its way into into Hyrule Warriors as a weapon. And Link actually rides the spinner and throws, and they somehow made it even more badass because he can not only have the one spinner, it's like an unlimited amount of spinners that he can launch with his one spinner. <laughs> and it's got lightning on it, and it's just so fucking cool. Yeah, we're, we're really excited for Age of Calamity. That's going to be an amazing game. And I, I hope that they do a lot of callbacks to previous Zelda items. Oh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Oh, 
I'm really excited about I'm Age of Calamity. I'm so hyped for it, and I will have a Switch by the time it comes out. Just wanted to give you that news, Ash. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm getting my, I'm getting a Switch back, and I found out that you can recover your old save data from your Nintendo account, and since I still have my login information, I'll be able to get my Master Mode 100% Breath of the Wild completion, and um, minus the I never finished the ballot, the Champions ballot. So I'll be able to go back through and do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting a Switch by the time... Uh, Age of Calamity comes out. Super excited. Well, good, because we're doing an episode on it. <laughs> I was kind of worried about you there for a second. Yeah, no, and I mean, if nothing else, I was just going to watch full gameplay of it, because I will get as much information from that game as I can, because, I mean, it's literally the story from 100 years prior to Breath of the Wild, but that's a different topic to discuss. Uh, we should keep talking about the spinner, because I'm, I'm kind of mad now that I didn't put it on my list, because it's, a, it's such a badass item. It is so fun. It's so unique. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so should I spit out my number two? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so my number two was actually a really, really hard decision, but I went ahead and chose the whip from Skyward Sword. That item is amazing. It is so unique, and it is so creative in the way that you use it. You get it in one of the most beautiful dungeons, I believe, in Zelda history, the Ancient Sister. Oh, one of the best dungeons for it sure. It is so gorgeous. And it, it, it I, I love this dungeon because it just adds so much culture to the game. And it's, it's so beautiful. And the, it's, it's kind of like the water temple of the game. You have to adjust different things, but not really. It's basically you using the item that you were given the, the ring, the earrings. Mm -hmm. And, um, you just swim. But the whip is awesome because you can you can take monster horns off of Bakoblins if you need to collect them, but only the leaders, because usually only, only the leaders will take out their horns and signal people. But you could rip it off of them. You can use it to activate switches. You use it as kind of like the grappling hook from the Wind Waker where you can grab onto, um, I, I don't even know what they're called, but you can grapple across, um, you can whip yourself across ledges. Indiana Jones style. Indiana Jones style, yes, sir. And you can... The fight with Kalakdos is one of the best bosses in the Zelda series. And I guarantee Hands down. This is a universal opinion among Zelda players who have played Skyward Sword. And a lot of people have an issue with the motion controls, but the whip utilizes them very well. However you whip with your hand is where the whip is going to go. You can distract and discombobulate enemies. In the fight with Kalakdos, you can whip his arms off and pick up swords and... Oh my god, attack his heart with it. And dude, the whip is such a good item. And I was I, I was actually this close to making it my number one, but my number one, you will understand why it's my number one. But we'll we'll get okay. to that later. But the whip is a spectacular item. It's so unique, it's so iconic for me, and I just don't think they could have done it any better. And you can use it everywhere. You know, it's it's something that you can use on the overworld whenever you want to distract. You can, you know, you can use it a little bit like the fishing rod in the fight with Ganondorf, where if you throw the fishing rod, he'll be distracted by the lure. Yeah. Literally, as soon <laughs> you can do that with certain enemies with the whip too. Oh really? Like they'll they'll stare at it and they'll be like, "What was that?" And then they'll be so distracted, you can just sprint up to them and sword strike them. It's crazy how much you can do with the whip. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love being able to snipe. Uh, just ah. I love being able to swipe enemies' items using the whip. You know, uh, like you said, like the Bacoblins with the uh, the monster horn. Um, and, and the whip was definitely, like I said before, a consideration for me. Um, I love its use in Skyward Sword in particular, 
but I also think they did a good job with it in Spirit Tracks. Um, they just really expanded on it more in, in, in Skyward. Yeah. I love the motion controls. I love being able to Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the Coloctos boss fight. I will definitely agree with you there, brother. That was The, the whip is, um, is really fun. And Skyward Sword, I think, did a good job, actually, of utilizing all its items. You know, there's not very many, but they're all used. Yeah, and they you don't really stop using any of the items throughout the course of the game. And again, that's a topic for a later discussion, but they utilize it really well. And the whip, once you get the whip, you can use it throughout the rest of the game because there's always going to be Bakoblins that have monster horns and you can further your collection of items with it. You can pick up dark relics. Well, you can't pick up dusk relics because you can't use items in the silent realms, but you can thwip and grab. Uh, thwip is a good word for it. Whip. You can thwip and pick up amber relics. You can... Uh, you once you get the whip you don't have to use the uh bug net to get tumbleweeds anymore you can just snag them right off the ground wait what you can Mm -hmm. i never tried that you can't you can't do it when it's like right close to the wall because you'll like knock it into the wall and it'll go and it'll go away because those little bastards are so easy to get away from you yeah but yeah i love the whip fantastic the whip was awesome oh watch me whip the whip the whip (laughs) the whip (laughs) I want to I want to I wanna do a playthrough of Skyward Sword where I'm just like, now watch me whip. No, watch I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's that's really cringy. Please, but, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number two um, could have been a number one. It was a hard choice for me as well. But uh, I'm going to say Stasis from Breath of the Wild. Um, I definitely wanted to include the runes from Breath of the Wild. I, I almost put just the Sheikah Slate itself, and then I thought that that's kind of not fair. Um yeah, so I, I decided out of all the runes, Stasis, I think, is my favorite, for sure. Because um, I like the ability to not only stop items in time, which is a cool mechanic, being able to stop gear so you can run across and stuff, but also being able to uh, grab an item, you know, and, and put it put it in Stasis and then attack it and attack it and attack it and attack it to build up the kinetic energy and launch it. Um, definitely one of the most game-breaking mechanics, I will say. And I know a lot of people who got around puzzles using stasis instead of what they were supposed to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, stasis, stasis is incredible. Um, like you said, I was, I was thinking about the buildup of kinetic energy. And you can, you can do some – I mean, you can even freeze some bosses for a split second to kind of gain an advantage on them. And that's, yeah. that's really cool. I remember getting Stasis Plus as soon as I could, because Stasis Plus makes it even better, and you can freeze enemies in place. And by God, if freezing Lionels isn't like my go-to tactic now. <laughs> Man, the Lionels in that game are ridiculous. Well, they're the only Lionels besides the original Zelda and the yeah. Oracle games, but those are nothing. You can just you can just beat those up instantly. But the Lionels in Breath of the Wild, the Stasis Plus really helps. Because it's it's cool to get behind it, and as soon as they break out of stasis, you can just jump on their back and ride them until they knock you off. And oh man, they're the dark nuts or iron knuckles of that game. Except they're way harder, and but way harder, you. it'll kill you so fast. Do you remember in Master Mode the Golden Lionels? Fuck me! <laughs> Don't remind me, man. <laughs> Don't remind me. Good lord, those things are so hard to take. I mean, if you've got good gear, then you can contend with them. But at the beginning of the game, you see one, it, you dip or you're dead. <laughs> the Lionels dropped really good weapons, too. 
Uh, they did. Like, excellent gear. But, um, but yeah, no, stasis, as well as the other runes, I will say, were really, really, really fun in Breath of the Wild. But um, I, I did enjoy the aspect of being able to freeze enemies, to be able to freeze items. Um, I just love everything about it. As soon as I saw the trailers, I knew that I was going to love this item. And then when they added the kinetic energy component, and you know what my favorite thing is? Have you ever tried freezing a, a, a Bacoplin with stasis while it's on a, on a horse? No. It's really fucking funny because the horse keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> but the Bacoplin just freezes. And then when it unfreezes, it's like, what? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I love what you can do with the different runes. You can, like, do chain combos with the runes, too. You can, you can freeze an enemy with stasis, build up the kinetic energy on it, throw a bomb, and as soon as the uh, stasis releases, they get flung, and you can fling them into the bomb, and the bomb will automatically blow up. I've seen some crazy YouTubers and just game clips of people just going crazy, switching between runes really quick. And yeah, the, the Sheikah Slate and the runes almost made my list, but, you know, I was just... I, I want to see more with it, because you know they're going to make a return in Breath of the Wild, too. I want to see what more they can do with it before I gain uh, an opinion, because at first I was kind of mad that they didn't include all those items just separately that you got in dungeons. Because when I went into breath of the wild, I thought that it was going to be along the lines of the same mechanics, but they added an entirely new spectrum to the world of Zelda. And you know, it was great. I can't wait to see what they do with it. So that's why I didn't make my list. But at the same time, it is a favorite of mine. They're really cool. And I, yeah, there's so much potential there. And, and they're coming back in uh, Age of Calamity. All of the um, the runes on the Sheikah Slates are going to be the items that characters use instead of items. And like in Hyrule Warriors, um, they're adding... Yeah, the, because in, in Breath of the Wild, your items were replaced by the Sheikah Slate and the runes. So that's what the characters use. That and um, and Fire, Ice, and, and Lightning Rods yeah. are, are, are going to be your, your main items. Those break so easily, though. But yeah. maybe not in Hyrule Warriors. I don't know what they're going to do with that. In Hyrule Warriors, they're consumable. So you grab one, and it's just like with with uh, in, like just like in, in Breath of the Wild. But the wep the weapons are not breakable, from what I understand. But Link does actually, and I saw this. I'm really glad that they changed the mechanic because instead of, and I don't know how all the other characters are going to be, but Link for sure, instead of just having like a few different selectable weapons, you actually have practically all of the weapons that you have access to in Breath of the Wild. And you can and you can collect multiple you know copies of them, and Link can select them, and he has uh, choices between heavy and spear and one-handed weapons. So I'm really liking how they're basically transforming Hyrule Warriors into the Breath of the Wild uh, mechanics. Yep, and they're going to expand further upon the story, which is something Breath of the Wild heavily lacked. Like it, it was a really good game, but every element of the story was in the past, except for the end of the game where you yeah. Meet calamity ganon and zelda's like i can't hold them anymore and i i love the memories like i will be honest some of the memories made me tear up a little bit just because of how beautifully done they were but they they focused fully on the exploration okay i'm gonna go off on another tangent <laughs> <laughs> so i i guess we're jumping into our top picks here all right drum roll <laughs> there you or, go or a jackhammer you know whichever one but um, my number one pick, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes, but I can't, I can't even describe how much I love this item. I have loved it since my first time ever getting it. The Master Sword. 100% okay. the yeah. Master Sword. It is 
the greatest item in the history of Zelda, not only just because of how powerful it is and how badass it makes Link. Every cutscene in like a 2D or 3D Zelda game is so impactful uh, in, your, in your adventure. Like I love the Master Sword cutscenes with the theme. I just it just makes me want to come, bro. I look forward to that in every Zelda game. Dude, I look forward so to that moment. Good. I I my favorite one is definitely Skyward Sword. Because you spend the whole game building up the goddess sword to eventually become the master sword after you imbue it with the three sacred flames. And then they play that theme once you make it back to the Temple of Time and Zelda blesses the sword. And it finally, the edges of the blade come out and it's shining with that white divine light. And they play that theme and I'm just like, ah, it's so good. Oh, I nerd out every single time. And when you have 13 hearts in Breath of the Wild and you explore the Lost Woods, by the way, yes. the best rendition of the Lost Woods in the Zelda series, it is creepy, it is spooky, you follow the direction of, I guess, the wind or the sparkles or whatever they are, the mist that's carrying you in the direction. And if you don't have at least 13 hearts trying to take the Master Sword out of Master Sword, the Master Sword out of its pedestal will kill you. Yeah. So you have to actually... It doesn't matter in other Zelda games where you are when you get the sword. When you get the sword, you get the sword. But in Breath of the Wild, you have to earn the right to draw it from its pedestal. Yeah, I love that. In Twilight Princess, when you draw the blade from its pedestal, the wind is blowing the dust away from you just because of how divine the blade is. And it's literally called the Blade of Evil's Bane. <laughs> the sword yeah. that drives demons back. It is. It is just... The sword that seals the darkness. It is insane. And the purple, the purple handle with the green straps running around the bottom of it. Yeah. The, the uh, kind of hexagonal shape where the Helian or the Triforce crest is near the bottom of the blade. How perfectly sharp and straight the blade is. It's just so good. And I, I, I mean, you don't I, I, like we were talking about in a previous episode. I think one of my first games was Oracle of Ages. You don't get the Master Sword unless you link those adventures and you take the Sacred Noble Sword, which was also possibly on my list um, just because of how you obtain them. But you take the Sacred Noble Sword into a linked adventure, and when you get what would be the Sacred Noble Sword, that's actually the Master Sword because they have – you know how they do in Link's Awakening, like the level one, the level two yeah. items. The Master Sword is the level three item, and it does so much damage. But when you get the Master Sword in a Legend of Zelda game, it just you're at that point where you are truly becoming the hero of legend. You have proven yes. yourself worthy to be able to just wield that sword because only the legendary hero can wield that sword and drive back the darkness. And that's why it's at the top of my list because no true Zelda installment would be complete without that blade. And no playthrough of Zelda would be enjoyable if it was an optional weapon like it is in the Oracle games. No Zelda game would be complete without that blade. My When I play through Zelda games, my long-term goal is to get that sword. And in the Wind Waker, they stretch it out too because when you get it, Ganondorf said that blade has lost its edge yeah. and it's er, that blade has lost its touch and its edges are dull. You couldn't possibly stand. And then you go to the earth temple and the wind temple and you use yeah. um, medley and mocker to pray, to get to the, you beat the final bo the bosses of those dungeons and they pray for the blade and bless it with that divine light. There's just so much 
Like I'm going, I'm ripping into this right now. No, <laughs> no. By all these, everything that you said it also really, really excites me. Like I fucking love the Master Sword. Um, I, I don't want to hit myself over the head for not thinking of it either, but um, it's definitely my favorite weapon of all Zelda games. Like it is, it is the best weapon hands down. Um, I love that. Uh, it's the only weapon that can kill Ganon. I, even in um. In fucking uh, uh, Ocarina of Time, where technically the Bikaron sword is more powerful, you have to you the final blow has to be the Master Sword. Mm-hmm. You drive it right into his skull, and it's so badass. And of course, and, and then Wind Waker. In Wind Waker, when you jump up and you bury it in his forehead, fuck yeah, yeah. Oh! <laughs> that fight itself is just so good. And I mean, honestly. I like how they did it with the Wind Waker and in Twilight Princess because when you finally drive it into him, he's done. In Twilight Princess, when you get that final blow at the end of the fight and you drive it into his scar that was already there from the priest back in Arbiter's Grounds, mm-hmm. you finally put it there and he stands up and he talks about the wind and how he can... Well, not the wind. That's Wind Waker, obviously. Wind Waker. And he just looks up and he sees Zant and Zant looks at him, breaks his own neck and yes! dies standing up. It is, And it's just he's standing there. He's defeated. He's dead. He's gone. And that Master Sword, oh, man. And in Breath of the Wild, I did not touch on this, but they added the Trial of the Sword. Yes. Where you could go through and power up your blade with ten. With ten uh, there's three different sets of ten trials that you go through to upgrade your Master Sword by ten points. And when it's fully upgraded, it does 60 damage. And it does 60 damage when you're in an area that's like sacred, like the, the castle or anywhere near Guardians. And you can take them out. But when you finish the trial of the sword, which, by the way, in master mode, there's 15 guardians in the last trial. And it is so hard Fuck because you have, to, you have to take them out with items that you found in the trials. You have to have the right amount of health. You have to have the ability to recover health. If just one shield bash doesn't go the way you want it or you take one hit because you don't have armor except for the clothing that you found. And it's so difficult. And when you finally get it, it is so satisfying. And everywhere you go, that blade is fully charged, fully powered up at 60 damage. I did not like the way that, I mean, weapons are expendable in Breath of the Wild. They can break, but the Master Sword just loses energy and you have to wait 10 minutes for it to come back. Yeah. I I didn't necessarily like that, but I also understood because they have to keep it like not OP. Because if it never broke, it would be really OP and you could just take out every enemy. And the Master Sword is optional in Breath of the Wild. That's what's really cool. And like you said, you can go after it right away. Now, you're not going to be able to get it until you have 13 hearts. So you kind of have to grind to get to it. But, um, And I do like how it's the only game, the only weapon in the game that's unbreakable. Uh, that was a nice touch. I like how it can throw sword beams whenever you're at full health. And I like how whenever you're around guardians or in dungeons or near malice, the blade glows. But then when you complete the Trial of the Sword, it permanently glows. Does it reduce the cool time t- the cool the cooldown time too? No, it's still ten minutes, but um, it takes a lot longer for the sword to break. And I feel like if you don't use it for a certain amount of time, it kind of gains its strength back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the Hylian shield, um, but the Hylian shield will break over time. But you can just complete Terrytown and go purchase it for three thousand rupees, so it's not that big of a deal. But the Master Sword is unbreakable, and once you finally have that Helian tunic with the Master Sword and the Hylian Shield. You feel like OG Link, and there is just <laughs> nothing like it. I mean, of course, you can get the Breath of the Wild tunic by completing all 120 shrines, which yeah. there's more than that, but there's 120 base shrines. 
but it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a Zelda tunic. If anything, it feels like close to the Wind Waker. So I did like the uh, the, Zel- the getting the the tunic of the wild at the very end of, of, of Breath of the Wild. That was not that was a nice. Well, once you completed all 120 shrines, that was a nice touch. Yeah, and you have to complete all 120 shrines, or else are you even a Zelda fan? Right, you didn't. I feel like, and I made this argument in our in our Breath of the Wild episode. I don't feel like you've like you can comp- you can ignore all the other side quests if you want. You don't have to power everything up. You don't have to collect all the Korok seeds, whatever. But to complete Breath of the Wild, you need to complete all 120 shrines because the game only has four dungeons. So to really get the most dungeon experience, you have to complete all the shrines. There's just no way around it. Exactly, and I mean, why wouldn't you? It's it's it just provides more opportunity for new content stuff for you to look at. Why wouldn't you do it? Just do it. Bite the bullet. Do it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> Nike, just do shit. I was thinking Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> um, I will want to. I do want to say in terms of uh, Master Sword cutscenes, and again, I look forward to the Master Scene cutscene in every game. But my favorite has got to be Breath of the Wild. Comes close. I love the one in Skyward Sword too, but. I, my favorite's got to be the Twilight Princess. Um, it's just so epic. The music is is just great. You kind of hear that organ in the background, and and there's that whole like the the wind is blowing Link away in wolf form, and he's coming in and he, and he's he's trying to come towards the sword, and he's inching closer and closer, and then it transforms him into a human. And by the way, never at any point in the game. Did they actually tell Link that he needed to wield the Master Sword? They just told him he needed to get to it as a wolf. Link, out of pure instinct alone, pulls the sword out of the of the of the pedestal. Just out of pure instinct alone, he knows that he's the hero and he has to do it. And he grabs it, and then that triumphant music plays as he lifts up the sword, and you see the shockwave, and even Midna's fucking surprised. She's like, the sword chose you as its master. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. Like that—that that is the most instinctual Master Sword cutscene because in Skyward Sword you've been building up to it all this time. You don't, right. you don't. I mean, fresh players might not know that they're building towards the Master Sword, and so it's a huge surprise when you get up to it. But yeah. Link knows that he's the one that's wielding this sword. He's the one that's building it up. And in Twilight Princess, Link just follows his instincts and takes the blade. He's like, "This yeah. is mine. I'm going to defeat the King of Evil with this." Yeah, he does. And so that's why I think it's one of the greatest moments. And just the music and the atmosphere and everything and, ha- and getting to that point with the, you know, in the Sacred Grove was really cool. And I really think that um, that, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Twilight Princess really builds up to that scene really well. Uh, I like the Hyrule Warriors cutscene for taking the Master Sword as well. It shows up about, um, it shows up near the end of the playthrough whenever there's a whole um there's a whole level dedicated to to getting the master sword um and then you you pull it out of the out of the pedestal and then the rest of the map you use the master sword and it uses the exact same moveset as the hylian sword right but it's more powerful and it has that extra oomph to it and it is the pans down the most powerful weapon in the game i think (laughs) yep oh yeah well, dude, I think we have beat the hell out of the Master Sword. I hope a lot of people also love the Master Sword as much as we do, but I'm actually dying to hear what your number one is. Okay. Number one is the Fierce Deity's Mask. <laughs> yes, dude. Oh, my God. How did I know? How did I know that that was what you were going <laughs> to say? That is 
it is just a tidal wave of an item, bro. It wipes yes. out everything in its path. Majora's Mask, no problem. Any boss, no problem. No problem. It makes Majora. It makes Majora the the fight against Majora just a Majora is a complete joke. Okay, and I remember I put I think Majora's Mask is my top one boss fight in my um, top five favorite boss battles list because the fight itself is actually just a complete cake when you get the fierce deity mask. But it's okay because all of the work that it put into getting there, you know, having to to collect all of the masks, having to complete those really fucking hard side dungeons and the majora fight is really hard without the without the fierce deities mask and but with it you know yeah with the music holy shit such a great atmosphere god i, I need to play that on like acid or something that, that that is just too crazy um we'll get to hang out soon bud that's an idea <laughs> that's an idea right there. that's an idea <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah oh man ah yeah um, Fierce Deity Mask is awesome. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I can go off on a tangent about this one, too. Um, no, go ahead. <laughs> Dude, the Fierce Deity Mask is awesome because it is a culmination of all of the most badass traits that Link can carry. Not only, I mean, yeah, when you're a Zora and a Goron, you're kind of like this adult or bigger version of Link, but the Fierce Deity Mask brings out that adult Link. That, that strength, that drive, and that passion. And that's where yeah. I feel like all that power comes from because you're not you're not Adult Link. You play as Child Link the entire time. This game is a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time, and it's his adventure after he leaves Hyrule. And it's, it's so beautifully done, especially when this game was completed in less than a year's time. Yes. They were trying to create a timetable. You told me about this, and it blew my mind. They wanted another title for the Nintendo 64th, so they literally shat this game out. And it's the most beautiful... It's the most beautiful bowel movement. <laughs> hey, man, save it for the podcast. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. But the Fierce Daddy Mask is awesome. Not only, I, I really, yeah, that's another thing for the, the podcast. But um, this mask allows you to wipe everyone out. Like, there, nothing can really touch you. I mean, the final boss is an absolute joke. You can go back and refight the bosses and use the Fierce Daddy Mask and just completely wreck them. Yeah there is nothing that can stand in your way with this mask and the blade that you wield the, it looks that like helix DNA. looking sword yeah the double helix yes and the sword beams and yes the fierce data mask is completely underutilized let's get that out of the way we know that there's only very small parts of the game that you can use it and majora's mask 3d added that you could use it in fishing holes which is cool i guess but why, why, why they felt the need to add fishing holes in the first place, I'm not sure. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, they but, balanced it out, you know? It's it's literally yeah. one of the most OP items in Zelda history. So they have to limit where you can use it, man. If you could just run around Terma where, Termina wearing the mask and just obliterate <laughs> No, if you use it in the fishing hole and you try to leave, the fisherman tells you you can't because it's you're too scary. He's like, your, your face is too scary. I can't let you go. That's awesome. I'm yeah, I'm going to need to play Majora's Mask 3D because I've only played the Nintendo 64 and the Wii version. So I'm going to have to go through and do that. But the Fierce Deity Mask is amazing. 
and they balance it out with how limited you are with the ability to use it. I don't know why they would allow you to use it in the fishing hole, but I guess it's to scare the fish to death so you can just take them with you. It's to have another place to add it in the game. Since they were adding those in, they're like, yeah, we might as well let players use the Fierce Deity Mask here for whatever reason. But I will say the Fierce Deity Mask carries all the weight of the of just the struggle that you've gone through the entire game. I mean, because... Majora's Mask is a game that definitely excels in its side quests. And so, you know, taking into account all of the people that you helped out throughout this adventure and going that extra mile. Like I said, it's the culmination of everything that uh, that you've done throughout the game. And this mask carries the weight of all of the people's sorrow and love and, and, and just everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean... With just how beautiful and how difficult the side quests are, it's the perfect reward, you know, because you get this for completing literally all of the side quests. You get this for trading in all of the masks for this one ultimate powerful. Just I the war the only description I can think of is just tidal wave because it just takes out everything in its path. Yeah, it's and, beautiful. And it, and it made its way into Hyrule Warriors with uh, one of the, I think it was the first DLC that came out, with Young Link, um, who actually transforms into the Ferris Deity uh, Link for all of his moves, um, including his special move and his, and his um, whatever they call it, magic move or whatever, and even some of his combos. So um, I, I thought that that was an excellent inclusion as well. The Ferris Deity Mask continues to um, pop up in, as a Zelda reference, and I just love all of the enigma and mystery that surrounded the mask. Like you kind of want more detail on it because there's almost even that that hint there that the the, the Ferris Deity was the bad guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And the Ferris Deity was just as bad as Majora, and Link takes on its form, and that's your adult Link basically in the game. That and you know the Goron and Zora forms as well, but. Oh, it's so OP. It is so fun. It, it looks so fucking cool. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is awesome. We're doing our top fives and we're coming up on an hour and a half. That's just so much goodness. Uh, dude, I could probably throw in like three more items. I know we probably won't do that. But we man, could. this is this is just this is spectacular, man. It is. But um, yeah, I guess that's our top five list. We'll go ahead and take a little bit of a break and then we'll return to talk about Skyward Sword.
All right, guys, welcome back to the Collateral Gaming Podcast. A little brief intermission for you guys and for us, you know, to work our big brains, give them a rest. You doing all right, bud? Hell yeah, bro. I'm so stoked to talk about this. Um, I love Skyward Sword. It is uh, honestly one of my favorite Zelda games. And uh, I remember it was one of the first, I guess Twilight Princess was the first game that I was like really, really hyped about. But Skyward Sword was right after that. That was the game like I was like super, super hyped about. Um, I, I was there. I think it was the first Zelda game I was there since the original announcement, and I was ready for it, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I completely understand 100%. You know, um, I have always been a fan of Zelda, and, you know, and the first game I got was Oracle of Ages for the Game Boy Color. But um, when I really got into the Zelda games, you know, I didn't really know about the Wind Waker or Twilight Princess. I was just focused on the Oracle games. And so when Skyward Sword was announced, I was knee deep in Zelda. I was such a huge Zelda fan. And Skyward Sword was actually the first game that I just got so hyped up about the release. Like they announced it like two, three years prior. And since that point, it was just a waiting game. And then they announced the Golden Wii Remote with the Hylian Crest on it. And yes! I, just, I have to pre-order this. And so I did, you know, <laughs> I, I worked at that time. I was just, you know, I was, you know, late middle school, early high school. So I didn't really have much money, but what money I did have, I put aside for the pre-order. And eventually uh, when the game came out, I think it was like November, 2011. Yeah, that sounds right. It was November. Cause I remember my birthday's in November. Mm -hmm. It was, I think it was the week before Thanksgiving it came out and I went up to GameStop after school. I was so pumped and I picked up my uh, special edition copy of the legend of Zelda Skyward Sword with the 25th anniversary soundtrack. Me too. Yeah, and the golden Wii remote, man. I was so pumped. And oh man. I didn't have the golden Wii mode. I had to actually have the Wii Motion Plus peripheral, which I think I bought in, in advance for this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I probably should have held on to it, but you know, after about five years of having that golden Wii remote, like I sold it to somebody at GameStop for two hundred dollars. Oh, they bought it for oh, damn. two hundred dollars, man. But yeah, Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword to me, and I know a lot of people might disagree with me on this, but Skyward Sword to me is my favorite installment in the Legend of Zelda series. It is the origin story for the entire series. It is, I mean, it's how it's how it all began, you know? Demise is the start of the long-term curse between Lake Zelda and Ganondorf. He is that beginning incarnation of evil. It's the story building up the Master Sword. Um, it's the first time, I think it's the first time where Link ventures out into his journey as the hero of legend and between the story and the music and the gameplay, it's just, to me, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's absolutely Hell spectacular. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you, brother. Yeah, I could. Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. And from the get go, the first thing I noticed was just the layout of the game you know it had your basic beginning of the legend of zelda like you wake up or you you start out in like your room and mm -hmm. you're in just basic clothing you're in night academy clothing which is just yeah. the students before they get promoted to knighthood and it starts out link is dreaming about just the uh the world down below hyrule i think it's uh fair and woods that he's looking at and then all of a sudden the imprisoned just comes out of the ground and consumes Link, and he wakes up to Zelda's Loftwing spitting a letter in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's spectacular. And just for me, that moment set the tone for the entire game. This game was going to be lighthearted, 
but adventurous and just so pure and magical and everything I had ever wanted in a Zelda game. I just couldn't wait. I have to agree. I, it had everything that I wanted. You know, when it first came out, it was my favorite because I was just super hyped. Um, over time, I kind of rethink that a little bit. Um, rethunk? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rethought? I don't know. <laughs> Over time, you know, I had time to kind of rethink that. And I don't know if I necessarily call it my necessarily call it my favorite now. I mean, Majora's Mask and Breath of the Wild have that honor for me, but it's definitely up there. I, I got to say it's it's probably in my top five. I just have to, I'd have to kind of like set out and because for, for me, I have a lot of ties. Um, uh, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, I think, are, are, are number two for me, and they're both tied. I, I love them. Um, but maybe Skyward Sword right after that, I gotta say. Probably. I don't know. And, and I know that's heresy. Ocarina is, is not, I don't hate it. It's a great game. I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. The only reason it, it, it's so lower on the bottom of my list is because I think that every Zelda game that came out after Ocarina builds on everything that's good in Ocarina. And I think they did a better job with Twilight Princess, with uh, The Wind Waker, and with Skyward Sword. Um, besides a few aspects of Skyward Sword, I mean, yes, it's a little bit more linear than Zelda games. Yes, they kind of hold your hand in the beginning. But god damn, the story, incredible. The graphics, beautiful. They still hold up today. Um, I love the relationship between Link and Zelda. I love the motion con uh, controls. And hate you can hate me all, all you want for this. I had little to no problems with the motion controls. This playthrough I did, and I think it's because my my age-old, almost you know, 10-year-old Wii Motion Plus, the same accessory I originally played this game with, I think is kind of failing on me now. So I think that's why I've been having issues with it. But... And I'm using, you know, some of the original Wii remote and Nunchuck that came with my with my system as well. I'd I'd like to buy one of those golden Wii remotes, you know, the Wii Motion with the Wii Motion Plus built in. But um, anyway, I had a little bit of difficulty this time, but I remember when I played it, I had little to none. I mean, and if it does get off, you can easily calibrate it. I like that it uses the internal gyroscope instead of, you know, the sensor, so it's a lot more reliable actually. I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. Like if if the controls feel a little bit off, you can just use a weapon that you're aiming with or you need to aim with, and you can press down on the D pad to center it. Or you exactly. can go to the map or the plus screen or where your inventory and you can center it that way as well. It's really easy to get back on track if the controls feel a little off. And I one hundred percent agree with you on almost every aspect. You know, Ocarina of Time is a spectacular fantaculates <laughs> i was gonna mm -hmm. go for spectacular and fantastic it is an absolutely fantastic video game it's one of the best of all time you know it really set the bar for 3d adventure gameplay with the z targeting and just the controls and just how you interacted with the environment and for that yeah it deserves some really high praise but for me i've always been a big goon on fluidity in video games and you know just how they looked and how they presented themselves link and zelda didn't really have a big connection in that game um and i just I, I loved it but i've only beaten ocarina of time twice and once normal and once on master mode and just because i knew master mode was a little bit different i wanted to experience it but it, it's a beautiful game but it's not up there in my favorites but with skyward sword you talking about how they do hold your hand in the beginning they don't hold your hand in the beginning nearly as badly as twilight princess i mean shit playing twilight princess they treat you like you've never played a video game before in your life well 
Twilight Princess was just dull in the beginning, I felt. I, I don't think they held your hand too much, but for me, it was just dull. The beginning is just a chore to get through, and I will admit that. Um, it doesn't really kick off until at least like an hour or two into the game, which is, is kind of a disappointment. Whereas where Skyward Sword does hold your hand, it is at least entertaining. I enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and I kind of needed that, you know, I hadn't done a Zelda with motion controls before. So, um, and, and, and then when it opens up, it opens up. Um, the lack of a complete open world is also, um, kind of a, uh, of a disappointment as well, just because, um, I am used to it. But again, Skyward Sword doesn't, I don't really lament it while I'm playing it. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like there was plenty of room to move around. I felt like there was plenty to do. Having to go back to these regions all the time. I mean, it's it's no more disconnected than Wind Waker is, and that's a fantastic game. Nobody really complains about the lack of an open world there. Uh, I mean, you've got the sky. I love flying with the Loftwing. I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot more entertaining than sailing was. Or riding your horse through Hyrule Field, which yeah. Yeah, Twilight Princess did that relatively well. You know, you could fight enemies on horseback, and that was a lot of fun. But there's nothing quite like sprinting towards the edge of a cliff, diving off and whistling to <laughs> call your Loftwing. Yes! and It's sky, so badass. He catches you, and it transitions into the open sky where that beautiful sky theme, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum, just uh, picks uh, up. Uh, 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 the music in that game is spectacular. And you can uh, fly if, later on in the game when you're closing in on, I think it's right before uh, you learn the song of the hero where you learn the spiral charge with your loft wing where you can like, where your loft wing will do a barrel roll in the air and you can attack enemies with that, but just flying through the open air, visiting and exploring the different islands and uh, finding goddess cube chests. If you struck them down in the land below, the hunting was very fun in that game. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, the, the beginning is kind of, you're right. The beginning is kind of closed off, but once it opens up, it really opens up. It takes a hell of a long time to get to the Skyview temple. But once you get there to that first dungeon, the game is yours. And even though it's a very linear plot and uh, certain things are complete, everything is pretty much tied together back to back to back in that game. It's still, the story is so good that it sucks you in and actually makes you feel like you're a part of it. And so yes. even though you're experiencing this in a linear format, you never want it to stop because it's so good. And I'm, I, I will say that the hero, the song of the hero is a bit of a momentum killer, but it has one of the best, um, what would you call them? Uh, stealth segments. Stealth segments. That's what it's called. Yeah. You land on the Elden Volcano and you lose all your stuff. Oh, I love. I actually love that part. Yeah, it's got one of the best stealth segments in the Zelda series. But to me, it was kind of like a momentum killer because after you finish the Fire Sanctuary and you finally have the Master Sword, you kind of want to go kick Gear of him and demise his ass. You want to just go yeah. in full throttle, find the Triforce and... But I will say, finding the music notes in Farron Woods swimming through the water is one of the coolest things I will ever experience in a Zelda game. That is. Oh just, my God, yes. Because I'm a music Just transforming. Hero, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But just transform. For me, it was transforming the environment, taking a familiar environment you've been to before, filling it up with water. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> and the. <laughs> and her reasoning for do it was because for doing it was because she was just pissed off about all the monsters being in the yeah. environment. She's like, "Yeah, these meddlesome monsters have messed with my environment for too long, so I just gave them a little treat and filled them." Too bad they come back right after. Yeah, exactly. It would have been a nice touch if they were gone the rest of the game, but <laughs> that would be cool. But I mean, it's the water is so deep. 
it almost goes up to the top of the tree and literally the whole place is submerged yeah. in water. And when you think about it, um, when you're outside the temple grounds, uh, like when you first land there, it kind of doesn't make sense because with the water being that high, it should definitely come over the gate. But, you know, it's it's 2011. I'll give them that. It's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, actually, I was thinking about the enemies, too. And one thing I love about Skyward Sword, and I think this was, point was actually advertised before the game came out, but um, every enemy is a challenge because you have to use motion controls to fight with them. So any enemy can kill you, especially if you're playing hero mode. So every single enemy is its own kind of um, strategic um, fight. And all of the bosses are super creative. Um, all of the items are used in creative ways, and they're. I think we brought this point up earlier, um, but all of the items are used throughout the game, and there's not very many of them, but they're all used, and they're all used effectively. And in this case, less is more, because we got um, we got a good use. I, I will say the only exception, of course, is the slingshot, because who's going to use the slingshot when you have the bow? I mean, Damn it's, I can't it's see kind me, of. But I'm raising my hand. I'm okay. Raising, okay. I'm raising my hand. Because you can upgrade it to the scatter shot, and that thing's badass. I love it. That's true, and I already have in my in my playthrough. And I, 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 I'll retract that a little bit. There are some situations where it's better to just go ahead and use the slingshot, if nothing else, to conserve your bow, your bow or er, er, arrows. I was gonna say your bow ammo. Those are called arrows, dummy. Bow um, ammo. <laughs> <Bam> <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, I agree you. with you. Go, go ahead. <laughs> We're too excited. To say it's beautiful. But I like using the slingshot a lot because there are some enemies. I mean, this game does it so well. A lot of people hate on the motion controls, but it really opens up a way for you to combat each enemy differently. It's it's yes. beautiful. Like the Bakoblins are usually one of the simplest enemies in a Zelda game to kill, but they're tough as hell in this game because they are literally trying to block, and you have to look at where their sword placement is to perfectly time your strikes so that you can knock them down on the ground and some of them you even have to finish off with a final blow because they're tough i mean the master yeah. sword makes it a little bit easier but that's one thing i really like and using the slingshot helps me out a lot because they're not getting they're not expecting to get hit by some seeds and so it stuns them so you can sprint in really quick and take them out before they have a chance to try and block you and so that that's why and the scatter shot you can stun multiple enemies at a time and then run in do a spin attack and there's like four or five different spin attacks you can do depending on how you wiggle your Wii Remote and Nunchuck. And so it's very there's a huge variety that came with these motion controls, and it makes the game so much better. Say what you want about the motion controls, but I think they're fantastic. I love them. I love doing the Skyward Strike. You just hold the Wii Remote up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's instantaneous once you get the Master Sword. It's like, blink, <laughs> done. Bling. Yeah. Fucking awesome, dude! Especially when you do uh, when you do the new game plus, or, or should I say hero mode, because um, you carry over your your uh, Skyward Strike from the previous game. Um, not your sword, your goddess sword. You know, you still have to upgrade, but the Skyward Strike is actually more powerful than your regular sword strike. So you can you can knock out some of the enemies that way. You kind of have an advantage, um, which is good because all the enemies do double damage, and there's no hearts anywhere unless you equip the heart metal. Anyway, um, but what I like is that whenever the Skyward Strike upgrades happen later, they add on. They stack on top of the ones that you already have. So you can literally get an instantaneous Skyward Strike once you get your second go around in the, with, the, with the True Master Sword. Yeah, and, and I mean, I haven't gone all the way through a New Game Plus playthrough. I probably should since it's my favorite Zelda game. But uh, I love the little element of there being more of a challenge to the game. That's just how I've been. And 
yes, I do understand that hero mode is literally twice as hard and you don't find any health. So I should probably just bite the bullet, suck it up and do it. Um, just to experience the similarities in the Skyward Strike from the end of the regular game to the beginning of the new game plus. Yeah, and for people I'll... that are going to come... Sorry, go ahead. For people that complain that Skyward Sword is too easy, which, I mean, I don't really think it is. I think there are definitely some difficult parts. But um, but for people that do complain that, because I've heard that, you know, play Hero Mode. And if they do remake Skyward Sword for Switch, which I really hope they do, um, I would... I, I, I would hope that maybe they should just offer Hero Mode from the beginning as an option um, for people that have already played the game before, you know, or, or for people that want a bigger challenge. And I, I kind of wanted to get into this, too, because I was thinking about it in advance. And I was talking to you about some of these ideas, but I really have a few ideas as to how they could make it work. I mean, obviously, we have the Joy-Cons, so motion controls aren't going to be an issue. The Joy-Con has an internal gyroscope, so it would work pretty much functionally identical to the Wii Motion Plus. I don't know if the sensors are as good, but I'd, I'd expect that they are. Um, so, you know, well, with what they did with Breath of the Wild, you could you could kind of say that they might even be a little better. I mean, sure, you're not necessarily aiming with a cursor, but it's kind of linked to how the gyroscope works within the within the joy cons. It's kind of like paired with what's going on on the screens. You can control it even better, in my opinion. And if they like switch to a free form for when you're like doing sword fighting and it just relied heavily on what you're doing with the joy cons versus what you're doing when you're aiming, I think it would work perfectly well. But you, you said something about the Switch Lite and how that might not work, and so they would have to switch to actual, like, uh, dual analog controls or something along those lines. I think it could work. They would need to offer the option. Like, if you're playing, I think they would need to offer both control schemes. So if you have the Joy-Cons, great. You can do the, the motion controls for, for, for people that are going to complain about it and also for people like me that have a Switch Lite or people that play in handheld mode. And, you know, yes, you can pair a couple of, of Joy-Cons to a Switch Lite, but you're not, it's not going to come with it. I think they should offer... And they did the same thing with Super Mario Galaxy. For people that are in handheld mode, or you know, they, they offered a the touchscreen play you know, for, for the Super Mario Galaxy controls. Um, and, and in this game, I think a dual analog, analog stick could work. I think you could use the right stick. I'm obviously aiming your sword. You would do it exactly the same way, but with quick... Um, you know, think about how you do smashes and B, smash attacks by flicking the stick rather than moving. That's how you would do, like, slices, right? You would double tap in one direction for a spin attack. Um, you know, obviously the aiming controls would work exactly like you think they would with, with dual analog sticks. Um, and then for like the bombs, for instance, you would flick up to move into, into throw mode and you would flick down to move into roll mode. And then you'd flick again in, in that same direction to actually do it. So if you want to do it real quickly, you could just, you know, again, just double tap it. Um, I, I think it could work. It would be maybe a, a little bit awkward, but no more awkward than again, Super Mario Galaxy implementing the touch controls cause they absolutely needed to, um, I think that they would need to offer the option. And like we said with Metroid Prime 4, offering both control schemes would be a great way to appease everyone who would play the game. Um, and nobody could complain that the dual, you know, the dual analog sticks, analog sticks controls weren't good or that the motion controls weren't good because if you don't like one, you can do the other. <laughs> exactly. They would just need to take a lot of time. Nintendo would have to put a lot of time into making it smooth because if they don't focus on it and they still give us the option, I'm happy that they give us the option. But if there's like a few bugs in the system, it could fuck everything up. And yeah. that that's not something that's not something that would blow over too well because if they're going to remaster this game, which they should, because they've been remastering Zelda's on their 10th anniversary and they've been doing a spectacular job. Like I know they waited a little bit longer to do Link's Awakening, but my God, 
That game yeah. is beautiful. Twilight Princess HD is spectacular. Wind Waker HD is one of the best remasters of a game I've ever seen in my life. And they did such a good job smoothing out the control schemes and your interactions with the environment while keeping the same basic, beautiful touch that these games had in their original versions. They need to do that with Skyward Sword or it's going to go it's going to go up in smoke really fast. Now, I know for a fact that they can take the Switch and make Skyward Sword be one of the most beautiful remasters in Zelda history because they skipped over an entire generation, you know. I yeah. mean, Twilight Princess when it came out in 2006 was for the GameCube and the Wii. And it, I think it was one of the last titles that was actually released on the GameCube. But when they remastered it, it was on the Wii U, and it was spectacular. Same, uh, the only other Zelda game besides Link's Awakening that skipped a generation was The Wind Waker because it skipped the Wii. But you could replay it. You could play it on the Wii because the Wii had GameCube compatibility. I I rationalized it as as game Twilight Princess was a GameCube game that just last minute got ported to the Wii. We'll count it as the GameCube. And so if we follow the pattern, we should be getting ports of a game two generations after typically yeah obviously link's awakening is a huge difference but technically they did already port it twice so <laughs> or ported it once already yeah they ported it for the dx version and then they remastered it like what a year ago two years ago yeah um but not yeah older games notwithstanding it seems like they have a pattern now and that seems to be a recurring theme so you know if this is to be believed then um we didn't have any we didn't really have any Wii U games for Switch, unless you want to count Breath of the Wild, which I guess you could put it in the same boat, but I think it was... I, I think the, the Switch was late enough in the development that it... You know, it's a Switch launch game, and it, it was optimized for Switch as, it, as much as it was for Wii U, but theoretically... The not the Switch's successor, the one after could be seeing a remake of Breath or a remaster of Breath of the Wild or a port. Um, if not the one after, you know... Um, or no, I'm sorry. No, no. The Switch's successor technically could see a remaster. Um, although, you know, with, with Nintendo, I mean, I guess there's not really going to be a rule. I mean, they're, they're already sending Wii U games onto the Switch. So nearly every Wii U, popular Wii U game, is, is all the first-party ones are, are getting ported to the Switch. So Yeah, 100%. I mean, and we know for a fact that uh, Breath of the Wild was meant to come out on the Switch, but people who couldn't afford a Switch and still had a Wii U was like, that's not fair. We want to play the new Zelda game. And so Nintendo was like, all right, we'll make a, we'll port it eh, to the Wii U. When it was originally announced, it was going to come out on the Wii U. I remember that. The Switch hadn't even been announced yet. But the Switch's announcement still came like midway through Breath of the Wild's development and not like right at the end, like it like with Twilight Princess. So it was it was optimized for both systems. Um, whereas Twilight Princess was was a clumsy attempt at porting to the Wii. It wasn't perfect, and we all know it was. The GameCube version is, for a good reason, considered the superior version. I mean, it, literally all they did was flip the version in the Wii and add a weird pointer system for no reason. I don't know why it's there. It's weird. Um, and then the, It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Skyward Sword is what a Wii game, you know, Wii Zelda game should have been, you know one-to-one sword controls not um you know just with with the with the wii version of twilight princess you just shake the wii remote and link swings his sword as he normally would so um (laughs) but uh but yeah no i again i we love the motion controls um i you know you and i both and i'm glad that's something that we could bond over remember when you brought it up to me like what do you think about skype sword i was like i love it um, I think the only people that really hate it are going to be Zelda fans. Um, so, like, it, it, not even. I, I honestly want to say it's probably just a vocal minority, if anything. I don't think it's even even represents the majority of players. I mean, because Skyward Sword got nine out of ten, ten out of ten in most gaming magazine. Yes, it did. People 100%. loved it. it, it was There's a just Wii some. Masterpiece. Yeah, it was game of the year. 
I remember. I, I had it as my Facebook cover photo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, a Zelda game always, always make Game of the Year. but um, and, and it was very technically underpowered compared to games at its time. Remember, this game came out at the same time Skyrim came out. So, you know, make of that what you will. I will say, yes, the game was technically, under, technically underpowered, but we already came to expect that on Nintendo. And it's a fucking Zelda game. Who cares? It's a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, and the Wii, the Wii came out in 2006. A Zelda game that's going to come out five years later, literally right before the Wii's next generation, it's not going to be the most powerful thing in the world. What we were after was gameplay and story, and damn it, we got it. There they is delivered. not a single Zelda game on the planet that touches Skyward Sword's story, and I will say that without a doubt. It's okay for people to disagree. Ash, I think we are on the same page with the story because it has me on the edge of my seat even ten runs later. I oh my god, so Zelda much. and Link's relationship? Well, they actually have a relationship this time. It's it's right in front of you. I mean, it's teased, but god damn it, she's so cute. She just like gets right at his face, you know? And there's that there's that when she try she pushes him off instead, and then there's that one point where you know she's about to say I love you before she gets taken. She's like, "There's something I've been meaning to talk to you about," you know? Mm-hmm. Um it was they're right so in your face. Sky after the wing ceremony, man. And Girahim and his poorly timed tornado just come oh, out. Oh, Girahim! Talk about another great character. I mean, Demise is, is a little bit underdeveloped. He only shows up at, like, the very end. Um, but um, that is a convincing reason as to why, um, uh, you know, for instance, they explained the whole idea of the reincarnation of Zelda, Link, and Ganondorf. And that was the aim. We knew that we were coming into that. This is the first game chronologically, and I have no reason to believe that they'll ever do a game earlier than this. I mean, this is right at the fund- fundamentals. Yeah, I can't see that. You know, this is this is literally the cream of the crop of origin stories, and I I don't see how they could do it better. You know, they pretty much hit the nail on the head with this game. And Demise, I had no idea that he was coming until like towards the end of the game. Like I thought that Gearham was just going to get so pissed off that you beat him twice throughout the course of the game. And he was just going to evolve in this crazy final form, which he did. Like he got super jacked. Um, and like, <laughs> put like an impenetrable armor around his skin. And you do one of the most crazy fights in a Zelda series ever, where you start like super high up in the air and you have to knock him off the platform and final blow, drive your sword into his chest yes twice and in the first couple times it doesn't it doesn't go i remember that that's an awesome moment because you think you're gonna do it you i've got the ending blow and then he wow it rolls out of the way oh shit <laughs> and then that lightning skyward strike oh that's such a good boss fight i just want to just want to come oh and it was <laughs> <laughs> and it was insane like realizing that gear him was 100 percent in sync with Demise, not just because he was serving Demise as his master, but Girahim was literally Demise's sword. Like that. Yeah, he was the thigh. Wild to me. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've never, I've never made that connection. Like Girahim is the five, dearest uh, yeah. Demise's blade. He's the demon blade. He's the, he's, and he looks, if you look at, he looks like the, his true form looks like the master sword, but you know, just like kind of black and demonic looking. Mm-hmm. Um, or, but, um, yeah, the, he's, he's, he's a sword spirit like Fi. Um, but obviously he's been around much longer, so he's come to develop a personality. Um, can, can we count that as the first LGBTQ representation in the Zelda universe? Cause Gearham is definitely gay. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's a great character. I fucking love him. <laughs> I know Nintendo probably. I think there was a little bit of controversy. They came under fire for, for like the first like 
gay seeming villain. I mean, gay seeming character to be a villain, but come on, he's fabulous. I couldn't tell in the beginning of the game whether he actually wanted to kill Link or if he wanted to, you know, hook up. But <laughs> when he first appeared, my first thought was, "Yes, Queen, come on!" <laughs> Hell yeah! And, and he, he he comes behind him and he does that thing with his tongue, and you're just like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> mm. And he's just toying with him. I like how he's just toying with him that first boss fight in uh, Skyview Temple. And then he doesn't realize just how powerful this kid actually is. He's like, run in place, Sky Child, but get in can, my can, way can, again, and you're dead. I love can, that so much. Like, Gary yes. has the most personality out of any Zelda villain that we faced, except maybe, uh, oh, what, the Grodu Witch's twin Rova, or um, mm-hmm. Ganon in Ocarina of Time. Ganondorf in okay. Ocarina of Time. Yeah. So, like, I, I, fantastic. I love him. Can, can we, um, let me see. Yeah, can, can we talk about the Gearham fights? Because, I mean, I feel like that's a big highlight of the series. I mean, oh, or, dude, of yeah. the game, my bad. Um, you fight him three times. I mean, it is a highlight of the series. Because, you know, it's, it's fucking, you know, the, those are some of the best fights. And there are a lot of great boss fights. We already mentioned Koloktos earlier. Um, some of the other great boss fights, what we have. Uh, uh, Skaldera, easy but fun. It's an absolute blast. Um Mm-hmm. The uh, the fucking uh, Mold- Moldorak, who becomes a, a, a just a regular enemy later on. Um, Tentalus was kind of a letdown. I'm not gonna lie, um, not not a big fan of the design. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't wasn't a big fan of the design. Um, I you know again, it's the whole oh, there's the one big eye, blah blah blah. But that moment, because the Sandship is one of my favorite dungeons in Zelda, like of all time. It's it was in my top ten list, um, and and I just love how that. That that battle that boss battle opens up because you know you've got the tentacles ravaging throughout the ship you know you get the boss key and then you got to run all the way up to the deck that's a great moment just all up until the, the execution with water yeah that's um, terrifying to me like you're trying to get to the top of the ship while it's filling with water and all these tentacles are busting through the ship that you can only repel with the skyward strike and you get to the top you go outside, it's all stormy and dark, and the water's going crazy, and then a Toy Story creature pops up. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about the in-prison fights. Um, I, I think if maybe they just weren't so repetitive, if it wasn't so many times, if you didn't do it three times in the game. Because I didn't mind fighting Girahim three times. Those were great fights. Um, but the, the in-prison fights do get a little bit old. But they are a challenge. I mean, I, I think the first time I fought the in-prison, that was pretty cool. The last time was pretty cool. If they could have just kept it to, like, the two fights, it probably would have been fine. Yeah, um, you're right. When they implemented Groose into the last one, um, and yes. you, he literally has to fling you off of his little homemade cannon onto the imprisoned's head because that's the only way you can get there quick enough to get the spike. And he's flying up out of the center, and it's terrifying. You're shaking. You're like, oh, crap, oh, crap, he's moving. That's cool. The second yeah. fight, the one that's in the middle, it just sucks. And the final fight, you can kind of you can completely wreck him. You don't have to fight him the normal way. You can just you can just launch into his head and boom. Um, there's kind of a way to cheat the other fights like that too. I don't know if you're aware, but you did the boss rush. You probably are. But the easiest way to actually fight the imprisoned was to go up a level above him and then just hop on his head. Um, normally he would try to shake you off, but if you were fast enough, you could you could just pew, 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 knock the shit out of that thing. Um, or or if you stun him with a ghost bomb first and then did it. The reason I never uh, hit the big gust of wind in the middle, I guess that's what you'd call it, the big one in the middle that sends you to the top of the sealed grounds is because Uh usually when he stands up after you've knocked him on his ass, there's a cutscene that shows him slowly standing up. And you're still falling, but you can't control it. And so even 
if you get close enough to his head to land on it and that cutscene starts, you just see him standing up and Link just falling gracefully. And then he just automatically opens up his sailcloth and you're back at the bottom to do it all over again. So yeah, <laughs> getting, on, getting on the ledge above him and just jumping on his head, that's the easiest way to do it. And the first time I did the boss rush was for the last piece of heart in the game. And the second time I did it was to get the Hylian shield. You know, that's, if you're gonna if you're gonna play that game like a true Zelda get player, you have to get the Hylian shield. You have, just have to. to do it. You have to. And the second time, I tried to go for records on all of the boss fights, and I think with each of the imprisoned fights, I was able to beat them all in under a minute and a half. And it was because yeah. of that strategy right there, getting onto the upper level and jumping on his head. Kalaktos, which is one of the best bosses in the entire series. It took me five and a half minutes the first time doing the boss rush. And I think I sent you this picture over iMessage, but the second time, I was just trying to get through the bosses as fast as I could, and I wasn't even paying attention. But I beat him in two minutes and 40 seconds. I Hell will yeah. never forget that, because that boss is hard. It's beautifully done, but it's hard. And you have to be careful, because he's crazy with his arms and swinging swords and throwing blades at you. He's covering his heart so that you can't attack it. You have to rip his arms off with the whip and pick up the sword. It's just... <laughs> It's crazy. And so uh, that that leads into kind of what I wanted to talk about next. The okay. dungeons in that game uh, and how they lead yes. up to the bosses. You said that the sand ship is one of the best dungeons in the series to you. I can totally agree with that because, for one, it's the only dungeon in the game where the entry to the dungeon, the cutscene is different. Instead of him staring down into the abyss of this door before walking down the stairs, it shows Link just determined to get up to the top of this ladder to see what's going on on the ship. And also the use of time shift stones in the Lantern Room yes. is one of the coolest things in Zelda. It brings a cool different time travel aspect where you're not really time traveling. You're just activating a stone that shows so much time in the past within a certain area that the stone affects and the puzzles in the sh oh, the ship sand the sand ship are some of the ship most sand. intricate and delicate but amazing puzzles like the angles that you have to get where you're standing on the lower levels of the ship and you have to shoot through the roof to hit the time shift crystal that changes the whole ship with a bow and arrow after you get it the boss battle where you're fighting the pirate captain on the long plank like structure where you have to knock him back and yes. knock him off that fight is so cool and you fight him twice you fight him in the sand ship and then once in sky keep the one in sky well, you keep fight is... you fight his uh like it's just like twin brother or something he's another dude but he's similar they're the mario brothers of this <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that's ingo and, and talon right ingo and talon yep yeah, they're, they're, they're Luigi and Mario. I mean, at least their designs are based off of them. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, even the first in, first dungeons in Zelda's usually aren't the best. Um, but I gotta say, Skyview Temple is a fantastic first dungeon. Um, the other game that does that well is uh, Wind Waker's Dragon Roost Cavern is actually one of the more memorable dungeons, and it was the first one. But I like the Skyview Temple, and you actually return to it at one point. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's Earth when you Temple... get the sacred water to heal the Farron Dragon, right? Right. I think so, yeah. And then Earth Temple was fun, uh, a great fire dungeon. You know, Ancient Cistern, you mentioned that earlier as one of your favorite dungeons, and it's actually a good water dungeon. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, Lanero Mining Facility is the other one that uses time shift stones, and I, it almost would have made my list, but if I have to compare the two, Sandship, just I think I think uses it more effectively because you just have the one time shift stone, and, and you just have to f come at it at different angles, and you're on a pirate ship. I mean, that's cool. A robot pirate ship. Dude, most definitely. And actually, after going back through the game, I'll honestly say that between all the dungeons in the game, 
either the Earth Tipple or the Fire Sanctuary. Those are two of my least favorites in the game. Simply because, I mean, yeah. the Earth Temple's really fun. The aspect of rolling on that ball across the lava after you get the bomb bag, after defeating those two Lizalfos, which those Lizalfos in that game are cool because they, like, jump away and tease you by hiding under their arms and you have to angle your strikes to hit them. But the ball in the Earth Temple is definitely the coolest aspect of that dungeon. The boss, the boss is really cool, Scaldera, where he, you have, it's like a giant ball of live animated molten rock just chasing yes. you up this this giant slope, and you have to wait think, for him to breathe in. Sorry, go ahead. That, and I was going to say, I think that's the boss that I, I, I did really, really quickly. I think I got him in under a minute, because um, I, I don't remember how I did it, but it was, like, super fast. Like, you could just um, just chuck a couple bombs in his mouth, use a Skyward Strike against his eye, and just slash it a couple times, and you're done. <laughs> um, I usually don't. I mean, yeah, I'll try to time some bomb throws in there. But when if you're standing on the slope, and he starts charging towards you, he will charge towards you. Like, he'll change his movement, his directional movement towards you. And if you stand close to a bomb flower and then sprint yeah. away from it, he'll hit the bomb flower and immediately start rolling towards the bottom. And you can just chase him, sprinting down Th there. And That's I what I, I did. I always drink a stamina potion right before that fight. Just so That's I smart. Can, yeah, I, bear, I never run out of stamina, so I can just run up and down the slope. That boss is cool. The dungeon, yeah, it's all right. Um, using the beetle, as we talked about in the lists uh, yes. prior to this, using that this, to cut the ropes of the bridges, that's pretty cool. That was cool. And you mentioned the stamina. Um, again, the only thing I don't like about the stamina is that it's not upgradable. I wish it was, like in Breath of the Wild. And they did expand on that finally. But it was a great aspect to bring into the game, being able to, to run um, other actions using stamina. I like that. Um, I like the, um, the shield durability. That was cool having to manage that and you could upgrade your shield and you can repair it and you can use potions. Um, I like the, what's some of the other things that were like precursors to breath of the wild. I think that those was the main two things was item durability and stamina were in, cause I remember thinking about it. Um, I like that one of the items that, that one of the equipment that link wears, cause you don't use different tunics in this game. There's just the, the beginning outfit and then the, the hero's tunic. Um, or the hero's clothes, but I do like that the the fire shield earrings. That was cool. One of the gear and the equipment is is for our fucking earrings. Yeah, the, you get they they look look one cool. set of earrings for swimming, and then you get, you get one earring for swimming, and then the other earring is for avoiding. Um, was the swimming an earring? I thought it was just like the scale or something. Oh, you're right. It is a dragon scale, and the gift that you get from yeah. the Elden Province is to avoid hot temperatures, like super hot temperatures, so you can access yeah. the, the fire. Sanctuary. And it's a that's a throwback to Ocarina. Because you use Zora scales, I think, or the silver scale and the golden scale, so and the water dragon scale. And in Hyrule Warriors, those are actually um, what's her face, uh, uh, Ruto, worst character in the game, by the way. But those are Ruto's <laughs> weapons, uh, the silver scale and the golden scale. Um, you know, uh, Girahim and Fi both made it into uh, into Hyrule Warriors, and they're actually some of the better characters in the game. Um, Girahim takes a little bit of to get used to but once you like get used to his moveset he's really fun um and Fi is just awesome just dancing through the battlefield um the imprisoned of all boss fights i don't know why that's the one that they brought because it's kind of the most hated boss battle in the game but is, is a boss in that in, in hyrule warriors um they have uh link's um link's skyward sword outfit and zelda's skyward sword outfit are playable i, I wish demise if they ever do like a, I know they're doing Age of Calamity, but I still have hope that one day they'll do like a Hyrule Warriors two, which is just kind of a, you know, all characters kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. I always thought the demise would be a great addition. And Groose, oh my god, we haven't even talked about you know Groose, our our favorite character. 
Yeah, Skyward Sword has some of the most profound and intricate character developments, like Fi over the courses at the beginning of the game, just a spirit that resides within the sword that's supposed to guide the hero, and she's just kind of doing her job. But at the end, when she's parting ways with Link, you and over the course of the game, she just but you get closer to Link, or she gets she gains sentience at the end, and I think yeah. that's what happened with Giraham is he's just been around longer. That's why he has a personality. Yeah. Um, but she and, and a lot of people complain that she's annoying, but I felt that her um, her uh, it, she wasn't nearly as obtrusive as Navi. I mean, with Navi, you had to listen to hey hey, you couldn't ignore it. With Fi, it was just kind of a just a very non obtrusive hum. You could just ignore it if you wanted to. Um, her robotic style of speech, I thought, actually had a good charm to it. And she was incredibly useful, a hell of a lot more useful than Navi was. I mean, not only could you target every enemy and get information about them, but she also provided advice for you. You know? Yeah, you meant us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you got stuck, you could, you could, get, you could get advice on how to go. So she kind of, um, at any time, rather than just, you know, like, like, for instance, with Midna or Navi, whenever they feel like it, you can go in and, you know, Fi will... And, and and you know what? The fact that she tells you when your Wii battery, we we remote batteries are low. Come on, I mean that 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 that's good. It's good to let players know. I mean, I know I have an on-screen indicator. Excuse <laughs> and, me, and, master. Your Wii and your health is low. <laughs> I like when she reminds you that your health is low, and then she tells you you need to find hearts. Oh wait, no, you're in hero mode. There aren't hearts are not going to appear. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but, but Groose. Oh, let's talk about Groose for a second, man. Oh, you start out in the game with him just being the biggest dick of all time. He's just that yeah. bully in Skyloft that just wants to prove to himself and to everyone else that he's just the best. And he consistently calls Link lazy and a wimp and just worth nothing. And over the course of the game, he discovers, I still to this day think that when, uh, Bruce follows Link when he's dropping to the Farron province and he like catches on to Link's <laughs> leg. That's so funny. That is the best cutscene in the whole game because he's like, where am I? His face, Link's face. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because you're not expecting it at all. <laughs> no. And then he's like, I think I'll call this place. Grooseland. <laughs> and the Grooseinator. Man, a character he really re- as a character he really redeems himself. He he's a de- he's a very dynamic character. Um you go from hating him to to loving him as being like one of the best characters ever. And it shows growth and it even shows like, you know, the reason he was addicted to Link was because he was projecting his own insecurities. And to be fair, he did, you know, really legitimately want to rescue Zelda, you know, and he showed that he was willing to do that. He was in and his he, and own at the end, dorky he's... kind of way. <laughs> no, you're good. We're both so excited. <laughs> yeah, man. He was in his own dickish and dorky kind of way. He loved Zelda, and he wanted yeah. to prove it to her in some way, and being a macho jerk was the only way that he really knew how to do it. But you see that throughout the game develop into a more passionate style of like friendship because he sees how vital and important Link is, and he knows that Link is the only one that can save her, and he finally owns up to it. And he steps aside. That's like, yeah. that's what I was gonna say at the end. He steps aside and says, "You know what?" And he, he literally says it because I I remember finally like uh, finishing off a playthrough that I had um, I had been I, I got to Skykeep, but I hadn't. Um, you know, I was just left there. I, the last time I picked up the game was like two years ago, and I, I got all the way to Skykeep again, but I didn't. Anyway, I, I finished it off this time, and then I I started replaying the game as well and got up to the mining facility. Um, I'm going off track, but um, I remember at that that end segment. 
um, Girahim, basically, he tells Link, you know, hey, like, I understand, like, you're the one that's got to save Zelda, you know, and I, he steps aside and he doesn't, you know, and that's, that is some real character development right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Going from being a bully and just an oppressing jerk who thinks he's better than everyone else to stepping aside for the person that you've hated on since the beginning, but you have to bite the bullet and know, okay, this man is going to save us all. And I need to yeah. accept that. I need to step aside and I need to wait for this giant tree to just appear out of nowhere with a fruit of life on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess we're we're kind of hitting up here. I mean, we're, oh shit, dude. We're at like almost 45 minutes. <laughs> dude, I can, Under 30 I can minutes of my ass. <laughs> go forever. I do want to touch on just one more thing. And I'll, I'll be it. brief with it. But we talked about the Song of the Hero earlier. I love the journey that Link has to take to um, either get to and speak to or revive the three dragons so that he can learn the songs from them. And that is such a crucial and wonderful part of the story. Yeah. I mean, you have to make it to the top of the tree in Farron Woods to get to Farron Dragon so that she can tell you to go collect the little music notes. Collect my music notes and bring them to me. And then with the Elden Dragon, you have to go and get a tree or a fruit from the Tree of Life and uh, or a seedling um, that these little robots are around. And you have to take it back to the sealed grounds, plant it in the ground in the pa- in the past, and then come back to the present, get the, the fruit of life, bring yeah. it back to the Elden Dragon. He'll teach you. And then when you go to the Elden province, a volcanic eruption knocks you out of the sky. You get knocked out and abducted by Bokoblins, and they take all of your stuff, and you have to sneak around, get all of your stuff back, and when you finally make it to the Elden Dragon, he teaches you the final portion, and now you've learned the Song of the Hero. You can unlock the path to Skykeep. And that is just one of the most monumental, and at first, it feels kind of like a momentum killer, but you realize you're about to face the final trial of the game. And the Silent Realms in themselves are amazing, and one of the Uh, hardest parts in the game is the... We didn't even touch on that. But they were great. I love those stealth segments, you know. They were, they were hard. You know, like I was freaked out the whole time. I was like, shit, these guys are going to get me. And you're, and I love it whenever, like, they're coming after you, you know, and then you're just running as fast as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah, I used to challenge myself, and I would step in the, the water on purpose. And I yeah. would, after, after I'd pick up a tear, I would purposely, like, reveal myself, and they would chase me. And I would get uh, tears that were closer together, and I'd leave the farthest one out all spread about and I'd go collect one then step in the water and I'm like all right boys it's game time and I would let them all get behind me and I would time it and I would just sprint and get away from them because there's a little thing that you can do in the game I'm getting off topic and I'm almost done here but right as they're coming up on you to hit you with a sword a sword or like whatever they're about to hit you with you can start sprinting and it'll immediately make them miss every single time. Even if you're just running slowly and casually, nice. if they start to swing at you, you can start sprinting and they'll miss you. And that was something I utilized. The Silent Realms are spectacular. The dungeons in this game are amazing. The 25th anniversary soundtrack that came with the game is something that I have shed multiple tears to. Oh, and this game was the first to actually use a real orchestra. Yes, sir. The Instead of uh, synthesized. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. And the soundtrack is beautiful. I love the Ballad of the Goddess, which, you know, I'm sure you know, is a reverse of Zelda's lullaby. Yes, sir. That is awesome. It's one of my favorite Zelda tracks, actually, the Ballad of the Goddess. I really love it. Um, I've, I I used to have, yeah, I had that Zelda 25th anniversary, and I think to this day it's still, um, it, it, it got moved into my iTunes library. Um, and and it's been it's been in there for years, and now it's in my Apple Music library. 
Yeah, I still have the original Legend of Zelda CD. It's in my car. I don't know where the CD went to. I think I lost it, but nice. Yeah, it's spectacular. I'll listen to it because the Great Fairy Fountain theme is my favorite track on that CD, minus the opening track, which is kind of like a overview of the entire Zelda series that starts with a Spirit Tracks melody. Yeah. Oh, that's just another good one. Yeah, it's so good, man. Spirit Tracks is a great game. Um, I've started playing it, and yeah. uh, the music is fantastic. The controls suck, though. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the DS controls, but no more getting off on topic. Or And, dude, I'm so happy that we finally got to beat up Skyward Sword. It's such a good yeah. game. And I know it came out almost 10 years ago, but if you haven't played it, you should. 100%. It still holds up. It's it's a fantastic game, you know, and I don't think anyone's going to be missed out. Again, we didn't mind how technically underpowered it was at the time because it was just such a fantastic game. It didn't matter. It was a fucking Zelda game. Um, it didn't need this huge shit that these other games did. And yeah, it's a little bit more linear, but I mean, that never hurt The Last of Us or Uncharted, you know what I mean? This is just happens to be the more linear Zelda game that exists, and I think it excels exactly at what it does. Mm-hmm. In the real world, it doesn't matter necessarily how the game looks, how it plays, how it makes you feel, and how it impacts your life is the most important part. Because if you're going to take the time, like The Last of Us Part Two, we'll talk about that later on in the season, but The Last of Us Part Two took me 28 hours just to get through the story, collecting as many collectibles as I could find, and it heavily impacted me. And yeah, a lot of people hate that game. But the way it made me feel and the fact that I enjoyed every second of playing it is everything that I look for in a video game. And Skyward Nobody Sword can take that away from you. Nobody can. And Skyward yeah. Sword has done that for every single time I start a file on Skyward Sword. Whether I'm at work or I'm on the road or I'm doing something in town, I can't wait to get home and dive back into my file. And yeah. that is that is something that will never change. I love that game. And I'm super happy that we got to dive into it because honestly, we could probably talk for a lot longer on God, so many aspects we haven't even touched on, you know, like the dowsing and <laughs> Oh, I but okay, I hate the dowsing. <laughs> okay. So much. I never, Thankfully, I mean, that's not really necessary. You pretty much know where to go, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the game is there's the a little time, but after yeah. that it's just kind of annoying. And it takes away from the potency of upgrading the master sword just because that's the whole second blessing. You can just douse for four more items. Some of those are more useful, though. Like, I like being able to douse for, like, the goddess cubes and, um, uh, what was it? R I think rupees, rupees and, and treasure. Hearts. hearts they offer in the first set, I remember. The very first time that you start to have be, get low on health, Vi will, um, will offer you the, the, the hearts as a dousing target. Oh, true. Big facts. Big facts. Cool, 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 cool. And uh, gratitude crystals. I think that was the other one that that it start you start dowsing for. Um, yeah. Another another great uh, side quest that I liked. You know, the bat Batro side mission with with the gratitude crystals. Yeah, that was that was really fun. I only did. I think there's eighty of them in the game. I only found all eighty of them once, and then I realized, you know, I really just don't need that big of a wallet. And mainly when I play a Zelda game, my focus is getting all of the hearts and getting all of my items upgraded as much as I can. And everything hey! else, uh, you know, I'll just do that. But yeah, man, uh, it looks like we're probably going to have to wrap this up here. Yeah, guys. Well, I want, we want to give a very big uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
when you, when you step out of Beetle's air shop, <laughs> if if you inspect even just one item and then you leave without buying anything, and you're already oh. out the door, so I don't know why he does it, but he, <laughs> he fucking drops you. That's so funny every time it happens to me. <laughs> I love the noise he makes, man. It's just oh. oh. <laughs> it's so Hi! Oh. oh! That was perfect. Okay, um, so enough of our Beatle impressions, man. <laughs> all right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us some feedback. Reach out to us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, trying to get more and more and more. Um, what's the word? Um, just trying to do that a lot more. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> huh? Bird's the word. <laughs> um, if, yeah, you could listen to Collateral Gaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Pandora, Chill Lover Radio, wherever you get your podcasts, guys. Um, we are going to be coming out with our season premiere on The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. That's what we're kind of running parallel to this episode. Um, this should be the very last episode that's actually under the Season 2 banner. So we'll be opening up with that. Super, super, super excited to talk about it. Like I said, Majora's Mask is my favorite Zelda game, along with um, Breath of the Wild. Um, you know who holds this game in great regard? Because I just remembered. Majora's Mask is Peanut Butter Gamer's favorite Zelda game as well. But I, I, I do believe he said, I think he said Skyward Sword was number two. Have you ever watched PBG? I have not, but after you've mentioned that, um, I'm going to have to go check them out because I love watching people play Zelda. It's always if you love Zelda, and so yeah, listen go, to PBG. Peanut Butter Gamer, all one word. He's really funny. He loves Zelda. He almost always references it. He does like a Zelda month every year in November. Um, he, he had cut it on a hiatus, but he brought it back up now. Um, and, and he also, he's very entertaining. And I've always kind of seen him as like similar to me. I mean, I, I just like his attitude. <laughs> you guys... Yeah, he's a great YouTuber. Um, but yeah, I guess that's about it. Um, also, if you enjoy Collateral Gaming, listen to Collateral Cinema, the movie podcast that I'm a part of, along with Bo Maddox and Robert Ortegon. And um, we're going to be, we just started up our season premiere on that too with uh, Neil Breen's Fateful Findings. Um, it's its another so bad it's good movie like The Room. So if you like that, you should check out our podcast and probably watch it. You can find that movie on Pornhub actually. I'm not oh, joking. That's how That's we watched it. We watched it on Pornhub. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to have, like, Pornhub in my search history. And if anybody sees it, they're going to be like, what you wanting? I'll be like, what you watching? Uh, uh, Neil Breen's Fateful Findings? <laughs> That's why you use That's why you use in, incognito or, or private browsing, my dog. Oh, I have uh, ExpressVPN. Oh, there you go. ExpressVPN. Insert. Insert the ad here. Um, okay, we're going off here. Um, but um, yeah, uh, y'all uh, enjoy your days. Um, stay safe, and we'll see you later. Yes, sir. So uh, that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor, and I'm Zachary Gio. <laughs> we are Collateral Gaming. We are out. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. <laughs>